This is Sketch 185, and you're listening to Dad Bod Rap Pod. Stony Island Audio. And now, it's time for the Dad Bod Rap Pod. With your hosts, Damon Carter, David Ma, and Nate LeBlanc. Three underground rap nerds walked into a bar. An argument ensued about who the goats are. The seed was a thought that would turn into a pod. Now fans worldwide say, Not a bad job, the ad hoc cab squad who chronicles the vanguard of hip hop at large. Rap taste slacked off, don't need to be mad, dog. Look no further, it's the dad bod rap pod. 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 Fellow plotters lay waiting for sons on lands where they last bled to. How will one stop changing faces for some demand a fair shake for black death from? Borrow blocks vacated once they made it through Jim Crow a mass stress to. Shadow puppets and crying doves formed in the hands of crackheads. Born strangers in a paradise lost to Gotham along the Gilded Slivers. Podcasting live from San Jose, California. It's the Dad Bod Rap Pod. I am one third of your host, Damone Carter, aka Dim One. I am joined in real life, I might add you. I'm upwind of Nate right now. <laughs> Just to give you a sense of uh, the positioning. Uh, live from Dim's place, Nate LeBlanc. How's it going? Oh, so good. Um, it was a Monday holiday, day off. My wife and I went to the beach, and I think I got it, like, even a little sunburned, which, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's winter, you know, <laughs> 70 degrees at the beach, so pretty pretty good day for me. Good, good, glad to hear it. my friends and talk about hip-hop, like, what else would I want to do? Exactly. <laughs> um, my day was like that, except without the beach trip. I just... Uh, I just hung out here at the pad. Nice. But uh, it's great to see first-time guests here at the pad, Mr. David Ma. What are your assessments of my apartment? <laughs> what can you tell people about your environment? I was just going to say the bare walls reminds me very much of my place. Um, so uh, we're both minimalists, I see. That's right. That's um, right. But very happy to be here. We had a great weekend. Uh, got to yes, see our boy Open Mike Eagle and um, Video Dave tear it down. And hey. I'm, s- I'm still kind of hungover from the other nah, day. Dude, I, know, I do not stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so like, And I, I like powered through the next day. We went for a long hike. We went and saw an apartment we're, or a house Jesus. we're interested in. And yeah. then at about like 4 p.m., I was like, oh, I'm dying. Like, it, it caught up with me. Uh, just this, I, I'm basically just telling you guys, but the listeners have to hear it. I didn't eat that day. Oh, wow. I ate breakfast only, and okay. I just powered through the show. And I was like, oh, I'll eat after the show. But oh. I've been trying to eat healthy, so I didn't want to like eat something that would be available after the show. Yes. So I just didn't eat. Is that and right? That's also another thing I don't do. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so, yeah, that was just a weird day for me. But really fun and like amazing to see Mike, Dave, DiBiase. Um, right, some right. Some of the homies came through. We got some records. Like, it's just yeah. a super... Oh, super right. dope um, night and just like fun for all of us to be there together. Totally. Shout out to uh, Controller 7 and uh, hey. DJ Anna and Kaskiat uh, as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Who told me he's a big listener to the show. So hello. Yeah. Yeah. It was great to uh, be able to connect with folks in real life. What I need folks to understand who are listening to this is that when Video Dave and Open Mike Eagle come to town, you should go. And yes, that's absolutely. just that's just something you should do. But. Video Dave's set is uh, some amazing shit yeah, that yeah. needs to be 
needs to be seen. I'm not sure folks understand. I'm not sure that I understood uh, coming into Saturday night, but um, he completely tore it down. He has, a, he has a video component and kind of a whole stage show that's just Which fucking this, I know how dumb this sounds, but like I was not expecting that from video. Day. Right, totally. <laughs> totally. You weren't expecting video. <laughs> yeah. More audio, Dave. But um, yeah, I mean, we've seen him live a few times, and it's really, really cool to see things develop and level up. And yeah. and I and that's not to say that it wasn't cool before. Yeah, yeah. But this was like a whole sort of nuanced show. It's really cool, man. Yeah, I yeah. It's it. like a tour through his life and eras mm-hmm, and right. things like that. And it's just like, yeah, it was just much more involved than I was thinking. I was telling uh, someone we were hanging out with that night. I was like, there's usually not this much talking at rap shows, but yeah. in, right. a way, in a way that I thought was like really, really dope and really um, just different. Like, yeah, I think, and I I had this thought when I was there. Does the open mic Eagle fan, are they more receptive to a comedy style presentation? Right. Perhaps. You know what I mean? I think there's always maybe a fourth of the people there that are kind of know about him more from a comedy perspective. Sure, sure. So, um, yeah, it, he killed in San Francisco, and we were kind of asking Mike after the show, like, how's that been planned? He's like, oh, he's killing everywhere. Like, he's overseas, he's, he's, he's doing it. So, That's sick. Uh, just great to see he's got great really fly hats. Uh, he's doing <laughs> raffles like video Dave was a was a force. Um, yeah, open Mike Eagle set was dope. It was it was cool to hear him kind of mixed in a couple albums there. A little bit different than what we saw in Ontario, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but a ton of the new stuff, like a ton yeah. of the new record. Yeah. yeah. And interesting to see the way he kind of like went around some of the guest stuff and like when he brought beats in and out and. I say this every time after we see Mike, but, like, it does not get old for me to watch him kind of, like, reprogram the beats on the fly. Like, he's just, he's always got, like, such an interesting sense of rhythm, and it gives, it's just, you have to, like, listen. Yeah. Because it's different than what's on the record. And some of the rhymes on the new project are pretty tricky, so to watch him kind of do them, and, like, Mm -hmm. you might not appreciate the kind of uh, writerliness or the, like, the trickiness, the intricacies is such a better way of saying that. Yeah. When you're hearing it only... Because it's he, that album is in a very relaxed yeah, uh, kind of mode, mm-hmm. right? So then when you see it live, you're like, wow, dude, that was like some, some lyricism. Yeah, big yeah. time, big time. He, he, had, he had the crowd going. It was, a, it was a great show. It was good to be out um, in real life. And so I don't know. It's like we might be able to do that shit quarterly. That's what I. That's kind of how I feel. I was like, if I had to do this next week, I couldn't. It's like if an indie rap show happens to come on a Saturday and we're all free, right. <laughs> we, we should go. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Let's make a thing of it. Um, so, yeah, I feel like, you know, getting out and seeing the rap in, in person is, is always great. And this week, we have a rapid-ass rapper uh, who, whom we're talking to, and that would be none other than Sketch185. Nate, I know you weren't present, but he um, he took the most militaristic, political, political uh, stance on the Chicago, mm. the Mount Rushmore question. Oh yeah. wow! It very was, uh, diplomatic. Very diplomatic. Yes, yes. But also, str- you tell he has a very strong opinion about the subject. You know, it's interesting in a kind of like segue here between like the Mike and video Dave stuff and then the sketch 185 like Mike and Dave live in LA yes but that whole album of Mike's that Dave is all over uh component system is so Chicago very much it's there's like sound clips of radio in Chicago and people talking about the rap styles of Chicago and stuff and sketch 185's new album um he left nothing for the swim back 
which uh, I was thinking about all day today at the beach. No, I'm yeah. just <laughs> uh, you cannot go in the water in Northern California. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was so Chicago too, like yeah. s- street very, names, corners, very, mm, very like mm. um, th- just rap raps after raps about Chicago, and I'm like. I don't know you. We've conversed online a little bit, but I'm pretty sure you live in Brooklyn. Yeah, I think he. I think he does live. He mentions yeah, yeah. Brooklyn type things as well as um, his places of employment. I mean, it was a very, it was a very interesting interview. Yeah. Uh, let's get into it. Here is our conversation with Sketch 185, Dad Bod Rap Pod. I'm black. This I'm black. That I'm black. This I'm black. That. I'm black that. I'm black this, I'm black that. Middle class niggas running trains on purchase. Dad Bod Rap Pod, every week we talk to people who are moving and shaping hip-hop culture. This week is no different. Joining us in Zoom, we have a rapper who's just dropped a new record entitled He Left Nothing for the Swim Back. As somebody who can't swim, I appreciate that title. <laughs> Welcome, Sketch 185. What's happening, man? Hey, how y'all doing? It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Living the dream, brother. Um, talk to me. We'll talk about the record for sure, but right. talk to me about your origin story. Your name suggests you have a, a connection to the world of graffiti. Could you kind of talk about your origins and, and graph and how that bled into your name? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I got into high school, started rapping, and not too long after, started doing graffiti. At least trying. I was a toy like everybody else. But... <laughs> My older cousin was a legend from the south southeast side, Bill Smurz. Shout out to him. And like I was always around him and around writers at at my school. I was a big fan of Jakarta Motormouth for Megahertz. So when I started rapping at one point after having a bunch of terrible names, I went by Sketch the Madman. Then I was able to find a copy of Company Flow's Fun Crusher Plus. And I heard Loon TNS. By the end of the first time that I heard the record, Sketch January 85 popped in my head and I've been using it since then. I was 15, I'm 38, it's been, it's been that long. I switched my graph name from that, but I kept it as my rap name. And as my name started to ring bells throughout the city, I realized I wasn't gonna change it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's hmm. super Yo man, well, thanks for explaining that. Um, we're gonna jump around a little bit because, oh, please you do. know, um, you know, I, we're, we're hearing a little bit about your origin story and also, you know, we want to talk about the new record, but, you know, I just want to get to sort of the foundational stuff. Like you mentioned uh, freestyling and sort of, that, you know, that sort of um, adding to your early ascent. Um, and you have, you, you have such a distinct voice. Like, tell us a little bit about that freestyle era and, and what the reaction was to you. I mean, growing up in Chicago, like in order to just be in a regular cipher. If nobody knew who you were, you mm-hmm. had to battle your way in. Mm-hmm. So it's just just the protocol. So if I just want to wrap some random BS, first thing they're going to do is go on my neck and everybody's going to take turns if I'm bad. <laughs> and you have to battle the guys. And I went months and months and months of going to the cipher, getting distant, going home and practicing and going. And eventually I gained their respect. And then once you gain the respect, you travel all over the city and you start battling everybody. And for me, this voice is the voice I got for puberty. Like, <laughs> I, you know, like I had a really scratchy, airy voice as a child. Then I developed bass in it. And from, and, from there, <laughs> and from there, you know, 
you you know you're talking 99 2000 in the cipher 15 20 people you have to be able to cut through everybody trying to run mm. so you know you learn how to cut through the voices in order to in order to stand out and you know it's kind of a, a, a backwards thing where I learned how to push through everybody, then learned how to use a mic. I mean, then learned how to rap on a mic, then learned how to actually use a mic. Mm. And in which case, by the time I really started recording, there was still a certain level of it that I wanted to keep. Not only that, but, you know, I came around decades after Chuck D. So, like, yeah. and, like and, like, a lot of guys who were, like, you know, Melly Mel and Busta Rhymes, Mystical, and, like, a lot of guys were booming voices. So that was always something that I was, I didn't shy away from. Yeah. Uh, And it's it's super distinct um, voice for sure. But I'm I'm curious about, there's a lot of cats who will do the battle scene, who will be good in the cypher realm, but it doesn't necessarily translate to recorded music. What was that transition like for you of kind of initially, you know, battling for respect to like now we're making tracks like what's what's okay. the difference in your approach okay so so the thing is i started battling in some form or another 14 by the time i was 15 16 i'm running around the city and i meet my boy um proverb dave giles shout out to him he just won a grammy for beyonce's record Ew. we start we start rolling around with our boys see everything and plea and recording and so on and so forth so i used to write battle verses and my homies would go all i could do is write battle verses and i was like i don't know how to do anything else so what i started doing is battle rapping subjects Mm. so if i wanted to talk about love i battle rapped love (laughs) and because i was battle rapping love or battle rapping the government i would have to do research Mm. i would have to listen to something i have to read something so my disses would just become more detailed and more abstract because of that. So I used the fact that I had intensity and intent to learn how to touch subjects. And, you know, these guys came from the poetry scene. So I started learning what they were doing mm. and started just creating like battle rap verses towards subjects that later kind of became songs. That like, you know, I'm from Chicago and from the era I'm from, we had guys like Quell or Quasar. Dennis mm-hmm. and Kane, like dudes, dudes that became like my mentors mm-hmm. and such who were doing these things. So I kind of had a model of how to take the aggression and the abstraction to turn it into subjects. So that kind of started around 16, 17, you know, but I didn't stop battling until 23. So are you retired from that? Is that yeah, I'm done with that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did two, I did two written battles. Um, with grind time piece to them, but it wasn't my thing because I realized I spent the month writing rhymes I could only do once that I didn't get paid for. Ooh. But I could have been working on my album. Mm. Admit it, the money model was a lot different now. I was doing that in the, in the, in the early stages and I was late to it because I was too busy putting my record together. Peace to all those who kept going. Yep. You know, all the, you know, like peace to the guys I, I knew from Scribble Jam. And like 23, I was like, I'm good. I got two grind time battles on um, YouTube, and oh, I did shit. both. Okay. And I did both of those on lunch break when I was working at Crate Barrel, because the spot <laughs> where it was happening that was a bus ride away from my job. 
So I took I took the so I took a lunch break doing undercover security, got on the bus, went over to the hip hop shop, the basement, battled, then went back to work. That's hilarious. You, you know what I'm saying? Don't get me wrong, I did a good amount. Like I, I was at Scribble Jam three times. Um I you know was the regional champ from that for Chicago. I uh, did battles all over the city. You know, when I go on tour, people will try to test me. So I got enough battling in. I'm okay. Now, <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm ready to document, you know, you know, document my life differently. Right on, man. Thank you. Thank you for uh, sharing that uh, background. Um, so I want to dive into the new record a little bit. He left nothing for the swim back. Uh, debut off of Backwoods. Um, but, you know, uh, the production by Jeff, uh, Jeff Markey, he's not here right now, but the production is really um, a standout as well. It has a bit of a thrashy abrasiveness to it. I kind of want to know what the working process with, between you and Jeff was like making that record. Oh, okay, so me and Jeff first started working together in some form or another 12 years ago. I dropped this record called New Age Middle Finger uh, with, my, with my boy Analog Tape Dispenser. With that, I met him and his old roommate close for AM breakups back then. When I met him, he asked me, to, could he do a remix? And he did a remix of the song Christmas. And we had been working since then. And from that point on, we've been kind of talking about working on records. Mm. And he had been sending me beats. I got like 30, 40 beats that we didn't use. But like, we had been working together in some form or another. Mm. Like he did, um, we, him and Elusa did a remix for my crew, Tomorrow Kings remix album at one point. You know, we had just kind of been working and working and working and his style was developing. And I finished my second to last time with Gunshot Diplomacy and started writing songs because I write without a beat. Mm -hmm. I just know what I, I just know what I want to talk about. Okay. And then I edit, I find a beat that makes sense and I edit a lot of times. Not all the time, but a lot of times. And in which case we were just chilling and, you know, he was working on batches of beats with certain sound, but my big thing is, I was like, if it doesn't hit me, I don't use it. So mm. we just work, work, you know, I chill because, you know, I go over his crib, drink coffee, talk about things and work a little bit, little by little. Then he tried to skip over this beat that was just a record going backwards. And I was just like, yo, what is this? He's like, it's all right. I was like, yo, let that play. And after having like two dozen beats, he kept, he played me this record and it reminded me of Bring the Noise by Public mm. Enemy. And that became mm. Band to Draw a Hero. Dope. And I'd already had a song for it, so he played it, and all of a sudden I just went, or radiators and breathe them in the thoughts of leaving the sun of earth, and just went went in. And I was like, yo, this is our song. And from there, we just kind of moved back and forth. Pandemic happened. I moved from Queens to Brooklyn, down the street from where he lived. So mm -hmm. me and him would hang out on our days off and perform at the work, shoot basketball to go back to his crib and work. Mm -hmm. And so, like, a lot of the records I would record at home, send it over to him. He would create a new edit of the beat. And sometimes it'd be okay. Other times I'd be like, well, now I got to re-record shit. Re-record <laughs> it, go back. He edited it. That might happen again. Then once we got all of that a certain way, we went to still to Dove's place. Okay. Then we did mm -hmm. another edit and another mix. Okay. And a few times we went back to Jeff's crib and I had to record at home again. and did that. And we did that off and on for a year and a half. You know, so like the sound of the record started to develop a certain way. And a lot of it, honestly, a lot of the way the record developed came from conversations. So mm -hmm. half the songs I had written, we did about 15, 16 songs for the record. 
and half the songs came after we talked. Like there's a song or two on there's one song on there that literally came from us talking about Pete Rock. Mm. He got inspired, made the beat J Street. I heard the beat and it reminded me of Light Sleeper by Safir. Hey. So oh, I yeah. flipped Safir sound uh, style for Light Sleeper for it. You know, you know, oh, so that's, like, that's that's super dope because I heard it when I heard it. And I wasn't, you know, I don't know how old you are or what the feel was, but I definitely got those vibes. So that's, that's oh yeah, like, that, that was intentional. Oh, Safir was a, a big influence on me. That's, that's yeah. super oh, yeah. dope. So, so yeah, it was back and forth for okay. it was a back and forth for a long while. So this uh this release, he left nothing for the swim back, is out on backwoods. And I'm wondering what influence at all did woods have in the and how this project came together and or is is marketed and put out to the world i mean okay so what's interesting is that like a lot of the record was constructed or constructed already because like this is my third solo record well so, third record is a solo vocalist mm. it's my fourth full-length record period we count tomorrow kids so on and so forth I'm very focused in that way but with that in mind, um, we knew kind of what we wanted because we weren't sure whether it was going to be on Backwoods. We knew we were going to do mm -hmm. a record. Okay. But Woods, very particularly and bless him for doing it, always kept me in the mix over the years. You know, like he knew my crew from Chicago. He met me 12 years ago when he did, he dropped history, will absolve me. We exchanged CDs first time we met. He's just kind of always been around and I've been around him and my crew is usually my home is usually guys people go to in Chicago so he's always been that and I've been a fan since Super Flight Crime so there's always been a mutual respect and me and Jeff are going back and forth Jeff's one of his close friends so he was somebody that would hear us hear Jeff talking about the record then at one point we started talking to him and every once in a while you know he'll throw a suggestion out and me being the type of person I am I don't always listen but on the flip side, <laughs> I would go, you have a whole catalog full of things that I love. Yeah. You make classic records, and I'm not smarter than the truth. So when he would suggest certain things, I would just go, all right, let me get this a try. I love ad-libs a certain way. And he basically, I remember saying, like, I do too many ad-libs. And I gave it a try and took away all the ad-libs on the river. And I was like, and, you know, and things like that. Truth be told, the last two songs on the record was originally one song. Um, the Western, was it Western music? Western automatic music. Automatic and music. the suggestion, and it changed everything amongst other stuff. He suggested breaking it apart and putting out a part one and part two at different times. Yep. But, you know, we were like, it feels like it should be out at the same time. And Jeff did something. I had, Jeff is one of the best producers when it comes to remixes. Mm. You don't need to give them a BPM. You don't need to go through all that crazy shit a lot of lazy producers do. He'll take your vocals, tap it out, go. So we recorded the song over the, the beat that's part two. He chopped my vocal, created a, took the sample, created a new beat over the sample, with the sample, mm. and just laid it. I didn't even have to re-record. So I came over his crib and he just, Play me basically a remix of the song. 
That's right. dope, dude. And we added it, and that became that. You know, so that affected it. There are two songs that were taken off of the record, and Wood suggested I do one more upbeat song, and that's where Up to Speed came from. Mm-hmm. More higher energy song. You know, it's a you know BPM wise it's slow, but it's a high energy song. Right. Right. Oh, at least by like Chicago standards. Excuse me. <laughs> right, right on, man. Um, you know, um, again, I want to jump around just a little bit because I just I think um, a little I think people should know a little bit more about sort of your back catalog and stuff. Um, you mentioned New Age Middle Finger. Can you tell people a little bit about the War Church projects and sort of how that differs from the current stuff you do? Oh, abso- absolutely. So um, it's easy as like, OK. So y'all are familiar with Galapagos Four Records? Yeah. yeah. So I started met Mestizo at a house party at one of my boys, my boys are throwing. He introduced me to DJ White Lightning, one of the original owners, chief producers. He became my DJ for years. That introduced me to Riff Napalm, who goes by Steel Riff now. We became mm-hmm. an onstage duo. The the relationship soured. But around, except me, except me and Riff, that's that's one of my best friends. Um, around the time it was souring, I met a cat who was dating a woman I had a crush on in college. Accidentally went to his house party, and just making conversation, I was like, "Oh, so you so you make beats?" And he just went, "Oh, you want to check them out?" He plays them, and this is after meeting him once and him wearing a Boys to Canada shirt. And I was like, "All right, we've cool. <laughs> <laughs> been on the same wavelength." But, I, you know, I, I do abstract rap and a lot of the guys I run into want to give me three 19th time beats, you know, and shit <laughs> like that. And he plays me a set of shit that sounds like, you know, aggressive trip hop, IDM, so on and so forth, because that's some of his influences. Mm. Our best friend and my boy choir were just like, yo, this sounds exactly like the beats you said you wanted to rap over. And from that point on, we started working together thick as thieves for years. From like 21 until he moved back to Texas, we worked on a record, lost contact, got back in contact, finished New Age Middle Finger. And his like cacophonous beats and my layered um, rhyme style for me worked well. Some people said it was too much syncopation. I was like, mm. yeah, fuck y'all, it's gonna work. Trust me. <laughs> like it's gonna, it's like it might not make sense now for some reason, y'all, but it will. You know, like, and you know, hopefully it sticks to ribs and you keep listening to the songs years later. We start working on the next record. We're just like, yo, why don't we just call ourselves a group? You know, like them, yeah. themselves, excuse me. He makes a joke about uh, he, he make, gives me a reference to how Yahweh or Jehovah is the Canaanite god of war. And for the last three plus thousand years, we've been, we Christians have been praying to the God of war. Mm. And I just went war church. We're like, yo, that, that's mm. cool, man. let's go with it. And from that point on that, those projects are very specifically, because we're pretty left people, pretty specific conversations between us about the state of society, you know, but it also like, it just, it has a certain level of bombast, has a lot of layering, a lot of, in my opinion, weird artsy things because of because of the because of the influences, and it's yeah. our way of like saying that the world is in a state of emergency, mm-hmm. and that's just developed over years. We're working on the next one now, but yeah, like that became like part of my artistic voice while doing other things, 
if that Carry makes sense. No, that's that's super dope. What I found through doing this show is we'll talk to cats, especially cats from Chicago with Chicago connections. And you're like a favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Mm. <laughs> They're like, I mean, I'm, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, like, who are your influence? You mentioned Chuck D. You mentioned Saphir. Um, who, who are some of your other like primary influences? On, OK, OK. So this one is always hard. Because my first memories of music are not Michael Jackson, not Stevie mm -hmm. Wonder, not none of that shit. It's special ed, I got it made, cool <laughs> mode I put in work. And from there, my <laughs> earliest memories of music are rap. Not the only thing I listen to, but the earliest memories of that. Yep. But with that, like you, you know, Sticky Fingers was an influence at one point. Mystical mm. was an influence. Nine was an influence. Really? Okay. You, know, you get, you get, you know, I, I've always had this voice. Mm. Like I, this is the voice I got from puberty. So, so you went like, to gruff school. You was like, yeah, like who, who who was on my level and and emulated that? Or yeah, like emulated. you know, like people telling me my voice sounds strange, it's scratchy. Then all of a sudden I hear I'm a b boy standing in the b boy dance cover, giving yeah. the microphone, and I'm like, oh, okay, I can identify with this. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And and you have that. Then you get older. Then it's LP and Big Just. Metamo and Lumber for Rubber Room, Thought for Illogic, mm. Blueprint, Aesop Rock, Rob yeah. Sonic, Spoon Iodine, Mike and Nine, hey. Common. Okay. That was that Common, Lord 360, my brother Riff Napalm, Quell, Robust, Quasar. You know, like, and it, and it goes and it goes and it goes because, like, I kept all of those in rotation. Cannibal Walks, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. You yep. know, and you, you know, you just, you know, like, I wish I could say it was more one than the other. A lot of LP and Big Just, you can kind of find in my style. I know this. You can find elements of Quell and Riff Napalm and probably Chips Pentium because that comes with it in my style. You know, you're definitely going to find Mystical. Like, and that developed from doing live shows and realizing if you just rap really fast without changing the intonation of your voice, the crowd tunes out. Mm. So you change from quiet to loud and heavy and so on and so forth because if you don't you become white noise on stage mm. and you know it and you know like guys like guys like mystical or listening to bus drivers stuff like that kind of informed me so my mm. influence changed over time but as of nowadays my biggest influences are tomorrow kings my brothers my brothers in mm. arm you know like I, I i'd say that chicago quell common quasar you know guys like that Right on, man. Yeah, that's it's just really cool to hear your uh, list of influences. And, you know, so we're talking about your influences and certainly um, we're talking about your voice a little bit. But what's your writing process like when you when you get the beat or when you walk into a room and and decide to um, put some stuff together? What, what's your first move? OK, so it's it's a tough one. Like when I first started doing graffiti, my cousin and his best friend, one of his best friends told me because I also draw. I got my degree in art, mm. um, in illustration more specifically. When I was in high school, they were like, save every sketch you do. Whether it's on the back of a news, back of a letter, whether it's on a napkin, so on and so forth, save every sketch. And I do the same with writing. Mm. Anytime I write things on a newsletter, napkin, post it, I text myself a lot. I write on paper still, mm. text myself a lot. 
write a verse, then transcribe it on paper. Sometimes I have a beat. Sometimes I don't. Like, sometimes, like, I'll get a word, I'll get a, a word sequence in my head. And I realized that I got to keep that going. So like mm-hmm. on Badly Drawn Hero, I was just on the way to work and I went, my radiators breathing me in the thoughts of leaving the subtle after merger chemtrails, reading the matters of Braille, like, yeah, I just, you know, and right then I was like, okay. And a tweet from one of my boys who said, if you don't like sniffing coke off titties, we don't share the same goals. I, I was like, <laughs> I saw that and I was just like, we don't share the same goals, nor are hunted by the same ghosts. So immediately mm. I got this thing my friend calls a run. All of a sudden I just do that and all of a sudden I have to write it down. Mm-hmm. So like some songs take me three years. Some to- mm. songs take me 15 minutes. Wow. Me and Jeff got a song on his record Sports of Leisure where he was going to send the beat to Def C. And I've known Def C since he was 18. Mm. Talked to him often. He was around my crew doing business meetings when he came back from college. We always kept him in the loop. He's family. I heard that and I was like, don't send, don't send my little brother that motherfucking beat. Let me take it. <laughs> I went, I went home, drank some coffee, walked around the room in a circle, and 15 minutes later, laid it down and sent it wow. back. It's like, there you go. Mm. Same for Buddy Ryan, still tipped up. Woods gave me a call. I was like, when do you need it? He, he spit his verse over the phone to me. I spit my verse over the phone to him. Two hours later, the song was done. Badly Drawn Hero took four, four years. Wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> sim, uh, swim back has been edited like 10 times. <laughs> J Street was mostly written um, after going to Dumbo to my favorite vegan uh, sandwich spot that's no longer there. You know mm. what I'm saying? It just like, right. it depends on the beat, it depends on the subject. Because some okay. things just hit you and you know, and for me, I know when the verse is done. Mm. Cause like it'll be on, it, you know, a verse being on beat is supposed to be on beat. You're a rapper. That's just what mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know, you know when you've said enough. And also, I'm a big dude. I call it the Pepsi Challenge. I put my vert. I write verses specifically, so no matter who is in the room, they do not feel like they bested me. Mm. At, any uh-huh. given, huh. at any given point, I don't give a fuck who you are. <clears throat> I'm going at everybody's neck. I don't care who write about you. I don't care what awards you get. You can, you're going to have a long night if we're in the room rapping with each other, no matter what the subject is. I could be talking about getting dumped. It's going gonna, it's gonna to battle your, your dead homie verse. That's just what I have. <laughs> But with that, I know when it's done. I yeah. know when I've said everything I need to say, when I've scratched out everything, when I've rewritten it a certain amount of times. Because at one point, I go, there's nothing else to do. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it takes years, sometimes it takes minutes. Right on. That's, that is, that's, that's crazy. But, but also dope to hear um, that the, the process is never dead. Uh, you're, you're a Chicago rapper. When we have Chicago rappers on here, we, we have to ask them <laughs> this. Yeah. Uh, if you had to choose four, I want a better example than Mount Rushmore, because that's some like white supremacist shit. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're oh, Mount yeah, Rushmore. Just- of Chicago rap, who are who are the four that you're picking? All-time Chicago rap. Oh, this is tough. Oh, yeah, and thank, real quick, thank you to Def C for that. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna lean away from that. But like <laughs> the guys who I believe should always be spoken about, 
when it comes to Chicago rap, that's tough. That's really tough. Common. Okay. Twister. Yeah. Quell. Mm. And it's four, so the you know, the the it's tough from there. Um, I'm gonna say Lupe. Okay. 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 Yeah, no, he's he's amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, if there was a fifth, that becomes a harder one. But those yeah. guys tend to represent Chicago style, you know, and Buck, you know, there's only four on Mount Rushmore, but young Buck from Psychodrama. Okay. If you pick mm. five rappers that you should know about that explain Chicago hip hop, you could throw Juice in. He's interchangeable. But those guys represent versions of Chicago hip the, the different you know, sections. Right. I hear you. Let me put it like this. Lupe, not necessarily in terms of style. He just happens to be one of the best rappers to ever come from Chicago. Mm. Mm, so, mm. But those those guys are endemic of a lot. So those would be the big ones. You know, I have a different set of names. I have a couple different names I could say, but I'll go with that one just because everybody know everybody. Yeah, right. no, oh, no, it's true. It's 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 somewhat political. So I, I appreciate you uh, answering that, honestly. Um, he left nothing for the swim back is out right now. Um, are you guys touring it? Uh, we're working on that right now. We're trying okay, to figure okay. those that figure that out now. All right. Okay. Well, let us know if uh, you're in the Bay Area. Oh, absolutely. I've been needing to get out there for some years. Yeah, hey. man. Uh, we we'd love to have you sketch. It's been so dope to talk to you, man. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Y'all take care. All right. What's on? All right, that was our conversation with Sketch 185. want to thank him for coming on. Have we talked to more Chicago rappers than maybe any other city at this point? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, there's been a ton. I mean, if you counted everyone who ever did, like, did their career in New York, maybe it would be more just because there's – it's a wider pool to draw right. from. Like right. it's you have five all your, boroughs, but compared your, to any one borough, your Diamond D's, your right, uh, your Sadat X's, sure, like sure, all these sure. people who don't like necessarily live in New York anymore. But we've done no. a ton. But Chicago, I feel like we've been more methodical and like the yeah. the underground ethos of Chicago hip hop from kind of the early '90s to now just more speaks to us and like just the people are like very down to earth very humble very cool like there's just so much cool shit coming out of there i just have to say i'm so bummed that i missed this i have been setting the scene for sketch to come on the show when he finally had a big album to promote for literally years oh man i had him do a drop for us for episode 185 which i thought was so clever and i him and i have been dming for like you know just i was like hey man you got any music coming just like just getting to go and and then the scheduling just didn't work out but um I'm bummed that I couldn't talk to him, but I really, really like the new album. Um, I had just, you know, I've probably said this before. I'll say it again. He raps so hard. Yeah. Um, totally. Friend yep. of the program, Jeff Gunabe, uh, DM'd me a little thing about that. I wanted to run by you guys. Uh, he called Sketch 185 post-apocalyptic Freddy Fox. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I thought that was pretty okay. good. Um, I was like, that's I, I a good one, accurate. dude. Yeah. And, and he, that's a good and, one. And in the interview, he, he kind of mentions that he's – he literally studied the gruff voice rappers. Yeah, totally. Mystical and and different people and Busta. Uh, and I hadn't folks. made the mystical connection. That's yeah, very me interesting. neither. He mentioned it more than once, so it was very interesting to 
to for him to be reflective and say like this is my voice and how do I, I channel it as an instrument. Um, the delivery is incredible, but he also has this wild wordplay that that makes it makes sense for this to be a backwoods release. Mm -hmm. Like it, it has that level of um, of writing, and there's like five or six things that he said on there and said them in the craziest way that I'm like, ah, like it's it's kind of brain melting type shit. And it's perfect. It's so perfect, perfectly fitting for the production too. This sort of apocalyptic, thrashy kind of sound. Um, and yeah, during the interview, I mean, he clearly was um, is a student of rap. So yeah. it's really cool to see him sort of, you know, take all those, um, uh, take all those inspirations and make it his own now. Absolutely. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to the bartending song? Yeah. It's yeah. like I was just like, <laughs> I've never heard a song like this. He's like, I think it's called Nights and Weekends, and Premrock is in there as one of the voices. He's also a bartender. Yeah, totally. Um, IRL, from what I understand, and one other person who I assume is too, and they, I guess, just have that in common. And I was just like. It's it's about like the parts of bartending that sucks. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and I mean, bartenders. When we talk, we don't talk about how great it is. Yeah. You know, <laughs> totally. you, you talk about the customers. You're like, you know what? I love listening to everyone's problems. Totally. <laughs> I love being shouted at. Yeah. About what an IPA is. I, I yeah. love how uh, everyone gets progressively happier, and I get progressively yes. sadder. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Hanging out with drunk people. Um, no, that's that's dope. And I thought it was dope how we just talked about I had these different jobs. Um, yeah, yeah. Along the way, just re really down to earth, but also um, I think carries a bit of many different Chicago styles within him. And uh, I think that's one of the things that makes him super dope. And he's got this release on Backwoods right now. He left nothing for this one back, which is like a 10 of 10 album title. Totally. Mm -hmm. uh, I fucked up and didn't ask him about it. But you kind of get that sense, the intensity that he brings to it. He ain't holding shit back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Which I love. And yeah. like, just like people who go all out. Um, mm -hmm. I just think there's something exhilarating about that. And totally. just, it's just been wanting to listen to this record for a long time. We were able to hear it a little bit before it dropped, but now it's actually been out for a few weeks and it, it is in my rotation, but I do have to be in that mood of right. like, it is intense. Right. It's an experience. Yeah, right. yeah for sure. I, and it makes me feel like, um, you know, there, there'll always be a place for that, for you, for that rap of that intensity level and, like, wildness. I thought I was maybe over it, and then I was like, oh, I can do it. Not many people are rapping like that right now. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. that I'm saying I'm listening to, but uh, the writing is, is so perfect. So um, definitely check that out. He left nothing for the swim back out on Backwoods, but that got me thinking about, like, what are these other releases on Backwoods? Because Billy Woods is starting to, like, branch out i kind of feel like he's only one of these college recruiters like <laughs> he's, going, <laughs> he's going and scouting like fly indie rap talent and being he, like he's on the bleachers right he's sunny vaccaro over here <laughs> did you guys see they're doing a movie yes. of the signing of michael jordan where matt damon plays sunny vaccaro and uh ben affleck plays phil knight no way and he has like the God. Like weird, like poodly kind of curly hair, <laughs> and, he, and he's wearing those like. Uh, this is my third time making this joke now. Brian Bosworth style, like <laughs> polarized lens, <laughs> like big ass sunglasses, and he looks so crazy. And I read the funniest tweet, which is gonna make me. I'll probably watch the movie because I watch you know movies, but like they were like they somehow figured out a way to make a Michael Jordan movie about white people. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Shout out to whoever tweeted that. You know what? Uh, that's hilarious. That's, that's where you want to center the story. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. He's literally not in it. 
Like, at there's all. no Michael Jordan character. Like, wow. I think, like, the mom Michael. and the dad, but they, like, they talk around. Matt Damon's doing the free throw dunk. <laughs> <laughs> About the real story behind Michael Jordan. Um, wow. Wow. The, wow. the caucasity. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Now we're fully tangential. But have y'all seen the trailer for the George Foreman biopic? No. So... Starring Ben Affleck? <laughs> <laughs> Jonah Hill as <laughs> Vin Diesel in his most transformative role yet. There's like all eight babies all named Vin. Oh, man. <laughs> oh um, God. God damn it. That was funnier than anything I was going to say. Um, so I'm watching this trailer. I can't even remember how I happened upon it, but um, the guy playing George Foreman looks so fucking familiar. Mm. And I just could not get it. And you know how you get that feeling? Like, it's like a sneeze that you can't mm-hmm. get out? Yeah. It's fucking Tracy from Atlanta. The Tracy character who used to sneak in the house and, like, beat Donald Glover's ass that time? No way. Yes. Whoa. As as the lead, as George Foreman. And the, the trailer looks decent. Okay. Um, But it... It, it just it kind of shook me to my core. Wow. Also, um, a humongous <laughs> dude. By yeah. The way, by the way. That's um, like, a, um, you know, they say with character actors, it's like, I, that guy, I know that guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like yeah. a deep pull, that guy yeah. oh, he's thing. That guy. Like, I'm actually having trouble picturing it still, but I will IMDb it on the way home. Uh, you, you definitely should. Uh, the origins of the Foreman Grill are, are, under, <laughs> are under understood. It's actually funny. There's all these... Um, Movies coming out about the launch of products, you know, yeah. kind of like social network birthed a genre. And maybe there's things before that, but um, Hudsucker Proxy for the um, Hula Hoop. But anyway, that one's fictional, but it doesn't matter. But it, it's like that's the only way to get a mid-budget drama made now mm-hmm. is, is to make right? it about something that people know. Like, I don't know if you know this. There was a Jennifer Lawrence movie about the woman who invented the windshield wipers that could go different speeds. Wow. It's called Joy. I've never watched wow. it. It's from, it's from wow. I think, is it? No. It's from the guy who made Babylon. Um, what, no, no, no. Uh, Amsterdam. Oh, really? David O. Russell. Oh. I think. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Him and, mm. him and Jennifer Lawrence did all these movies together after Silver Linings played. But anyway, we're in like deep movie randomness right now. This is what happens when we're in public. Which ones would Billy Woods probably do? <laughs> <laughs> One wonders. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking about like, besides Armin Hammer, like, what are the, what are the best Backwoods releases? Um, which there's a handful. Let's start with you, Mr. Ma. Well, if we're not taking into account um, solo um, Billy Woods releases, um, and the fir- the other first one that came to mind was, of course, Elusa's Bessie, mm. um, which mm. is fucking incredible. But I kind of wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Akai Solo's Spirit Roaming. Okay. Um, I just ended up really loving that album. Um, the production by contemporary favorites like Preservation and um, August Fanon and uh, Animos um, mm. or fucking amazing and i know we're kind of trying to work our way around the arm and hammer discussion but that last track on this album features arm and hammer and it is just yeah. fucking incredible dude Crazy, right? and you know um <clears throat> and this isn't a slight on akai at all but because i think he's a very thoughtful mc but um with clever things to say but it proves to you that you don't have to be a lyrical miracle to deliver uh and put forth a great album you know, yeah. um, I listened to his uh, EP that came out before this release, and um, he's certainly leveling up. Yeah. Um, the atmosphere on this album, the tempo, the overall feel, um, 
the way the album glides from song to song. I love the sequencing on here. And um, yeah, I just wanted to give it a little bit of a spotlight. Like, I really like this album. And, you know, I wasn't super deep into Akai's solo work before. (laughs) But um, yeah, love this album. Wanted to give it a shout out and give it a bit of a spotlight. I mean, amongst many great Backwoods releases. Yeah, I I felt like I I tapped in with it more. We had Akai on for episode um, 250. And um, yeah, I think I think Armin Hammer sets a pretty high bar in terms of like projects that are put out. And so every time we have somebody who's on Backwoods who is not Woods or Lucid, I always want to be like, well, what is the what is the Woods effect? Uh, Sketch talked about that a little right, bit, right. like the influence. Um, Nate, how about for you? What is your your fave non Armin Hammer Backwoods release? Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone knows. I love Hiding Places. That's such yeah. a great record. Yeah. That would obviously be like the number one draft pick. Kenny Siegel in Woods. Masterpiece. Um, Red Dust is not about sex, he says. It's not the sex, it's the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hold on. Yeah, hold I'm sorry. On. I'm sorry. Oh. I just, I could not. That was yeah. my, my blurting. But the, yeah, there was a tweet where... Did you guys talk about this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I called them last week. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been long enough. Tell us, what is it about? Uh, tro- trolling the Backwoods Twitter... There was just this tweet that came. It was like, oh, it's funny. People think that song is about sex. Really? Hmm. I never thought it was about sex. I do. <laughs> really? <laughs> Probably says more about me. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, now I just uh, There are so many jokes I want to make about the heat and the dust. <laughs> <laughs> we all know too many people involved. It's just not, it's, it's inappropriate. To watch, to watch Nate toe the line on this weekly I know. is great. Um, I know the types of jokes you want to make. Um, I, I apologies, Nate. Con- continue. No, no, it's all continue. good. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, Free Sweatpants, the Blockhead. Hey. Uh, uh, good one. It's it's a producer album, not a compilation, but it does have a bunch of different people on it, and it um, kind of came along at a time right before or like right when we were kind of starting to do the show more regularly and picking up steam and. Um, it's not that I had like forgotten about Blockhead, but I didn't think of him so much as a guy who does these albums with all these different new rappers. It was like mm-hmm. I kind of knew him from his work with Aesop Rock, right. his instrumental mm-hmm. stuff, and I was like, oh, this is this is a really cool record. It helped me like uh, sometimes when you're getting into a scene more deeply, it really helps to have a compilation mm-hmm. or right. like kind of like yeah, a guidepost. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, well, these are the people who. I need to check out. You know what I mean? Like that was probably one of the first times outside of uh, or in like a, you know, nerdy underground hip hop context. I heard tree Mm. Um, uh, breezy Bruin is on here. It's like, oh, my God, breezy Bruin still raps. Like, yeah, how fucking great is that? Um, OME is on here. And um, that song, Slippery Slope with Woods. Oh, so good. Bruin and OME is so great. Yeah. Yeah. Homeboy Sandman, super great. I actually wonder if they've ever done a full thing. That would if, be sick. If there's some kind of vaulted uh, blockhead and homeboy Sandman release, kind of gotta be. They're they're equally strange. Yeah, uh, Hemlock Ernst, which just like a funny aside, uh, my wife was controlling the aux cord when we were driving back from Santa Cruz today, and a Future Islands song came today came mm. on, and she was kind of singing along, and I was like, Whoa. "Damn, you love Hemlock Ernst." She's <laughs> 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 like, "What is that?" And then and then I told her, and she's like, "Oh, okay, you literally do that every time this comes on." Like, <laughs> I've ignored it enough. Yeah, it's I like I, I, I need you to know that he has a rap career. 
And like, okay, uh, okay. It's like this is his side hustle is being in this very popular band. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, yeah, it's so uh, you know, Mark Speck, Vic Spencer, just tons of good people on there. So that that's my that's my one. I recommend it. Okay, yeah. excellent. Uh, my pick for this category is another kind of sort of in the spirit of compilation by Steel Tip Dove uh, called Call Me When You're Outside. Uh, we had Steel Tip Dove on many, many ap- episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, but he put together a, a very well curated album. What I like about it is it has all the contemporary voices of alt rap. You have, you know, Koreatown Oddities on there. Mm. Um, our guy Fat Tony is, is on there, Fielded, Elucid. Uh, shirt, uh, the the elusive uh, shirt. Sketch one eighty five is on it. Fat Boy Sharif, so he he pulled together all the dopest voices, and then how he kind of paired them and how he he structured the beats together was super interesting to me. There's a great song on here, um, where Fat Tony, it's called "Don't Move," uh, where Fat Tony is like lecturing gentrifiers on like don't don't move here if you if you not you know what I mean and it's, it's just it's, that's like the song is made for you yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, you're like you know who I really like and is so, so cool and a great rapper Fat Tony you yeah. know what I hate gentrifiers <laughs> <laughs> boom uh, it checks a lot of boxes for me but yeah just a super dope project and yeah I agree with you Nate I think sometimes the the compilation is the best way to get kind of a slice of a sound and I think uh, still tipped up did that wonderfully on this record. And he said we could hang out at his studio when we go to New York. But we have to call him when we're outside. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Could not resist. I still want to do that, and I still want to rent, like, a five minutes on a billboard in Times Square when we go there. Like we have to. Like, 3 o'clock in the morning and stand yeah. in front of it. We have to. We should yeah. make that happen this year, dude. Yeah, we can. Patreon drive, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Send us on the clout mission. We're clout missionaries. <laughs> That's um, so funny. No, that that would be that would be amazing. Going back to the Mike King we'll advice, do, we'll do some award tourism. <laughs> <laughs> We're in award tourism. Oh man, <laughs> man. Uh, so yeah, that was our that was our interview with Sketch and our conversation about best non Armin Hammer Backwoods releases. Uh, you know. You know what to do. It's it's Twitter at Dad Bar Rap Pod. It's Instagram at Dad Bar Rap Pod. The best way to get down with the fly sporadic is to do what, Nate? Join the Patreon, patreon.com slash dadbodrappod. Um, I know everyone who listens to this podcast has been dying for a two-and-a-half-hour mix of girly <laughs> indie rock <laughs> that I dropped on Sunday. Clamoring for it. Yep. It's uh, pretty good stuff. Check it out. Um, and uh, some really cool people have joined recently, and it's just like so heartwarming to us um, when people are down to support the show directly. Thank you so much. We're obviously going to hit you every week with uh, you know the main show, the free hour or so, sometimes way more. Um, but Patreon people who subscribe, patrons, I suppose, yeah, uh, get a bunch of bunch of different Patreonos. stuff. Patreonos. Patreonos. <laughs> <laughs> Patriots. <laughs> Patrinis. <laughs> we appreciate uh, all of y'all. Uh, the community is growing. We're, we're putting fly stuff on there. Um, let's just have a meeting right now. I think that um, for some of these episodes and upcoming interviews we have, we should stash part of it behind the Patreon wall. I've really been thinking about oh, wow. that. Take you so far with the interview and then be like, you know, because you know how like public radio does that shit? Yeah. Right. Like in Drive Week. Yeah. They're like, here's this amazing conversation with Malcolm X, but let's stop for the next 22 <laughs> minutes and talk about how you could support. We won't do that. But, um, 
yeah, patreon.com slash dadbodrappod. Uh, connect with us. Be part of the gang while it's still five bucks. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know what it is. Every Thursday, new shit, dad bod, rap pod. In my home, cold come through the floor like a malevolent force. It's a war going on inside, probably why I ain't locked the door. Buckshot hit the trespasses. Mumble something after yes, NASA. My heroes, the ones who wasn't captured. Black Republican after taxes. Rambling anti-vaxxers. I observed that old adage. Washington Heights managed a few words in Spanish. The bag was fantastic. Damage in elastic markets. Smart, dumb niggas looking like Stringer Bell in them classes. The beat masses. Me and Sketch hopping like car jackets. Weaving through evening traffic. Ski masks. My lips chapped weed crumbs on my fleece jacket. As a child, I picked fruit off a cactus. Now I can see my breath inside the apartment. Bears packed and starting. My breath ragged. Between pulls of that dagger.